Welcome to the Change Something Podcast, where we recognize that we all have 168 hours in one week. How will you leverage it? How will you use it not only for your own health, but for the good of your city? On this podcast, we will speak with psychologists, chiropractors, teachers, truckers, policemen, doctors, writers, and all sorts of professionals every month for 15 minutes or less to provide tools and techniques to not only better your life, but to help you participate in the flourishing of your city. My name is John Ju, and I am glad that you are joining us. Today, in the midst of the coronavirus episodes, I have a special guest with me. Her name is Kaylee Lawrence, and she works at Humphrey Middle School in Bolingbrook, Illinois, as a special education teacher in a sixth grade language arts class. And as we all know, anxiety often comes from a lack of clarity and remote learning. How are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. But before we dive into how COVID has changed the landscape of learning and what tip you would provide students and parents navigating classroom from home, can you just share with us your typical day-to-day right now as a R-learning-driven teacher? At my school, teachers are requested to post assignments for the day by nine. Okay. And after doing that, with the volume, I keep it on on my computer. I set it on the kitchen counter. I attempt to do school at home with my own kids while Mm -hmm. responding to questions, answering emails, providing feedback, managing my caseload, making phone calls. Um, I also have some Zoom meetings throughout the week. Yeah. Are those Zoom meetings with other teachers? Yeah. So far, I haven't done any with students. I do have some coworkers who have. My own kids have had Zoom meetings with their teachers, but that's more just to see the teachers, see their classmates. But I'm not currently doing that with students, just with staff. So what's been the biggest adjustment in light of COVID and transitioning to our learning? There have been so many adjustments that it's hard to name just one. Two that come to mind pretty quick are how I connect with and engage with students. Yeah. And I've also realized that especially during this time, I need to give myself some grace. Yeah. This is my seventh year teaching. And although it isn't always easy, even before, I had a lot more confidence working from a school building than I do now working from home. No, that's a really big adjustment. Last week, I was talking with a teacher friend of mine, and he was sharing that he feels like he's on all the time. Yeah, it's really difficult. I want to be available for students and answer their questions with feedback, just like I would in the classroom. But when I can't see what they're doing or they have the freedom to work whenever they want, it, it hasn't really been a big challenge. If that laptop is on top of your dining room table and it's just dinging all the time, I can just imagine the temptation to continue to check it throughout the entire day. Yeah, well, and I really, I feel like I need to because I'm working. So it has been, attention has been divided and it's something that I need to work on. So can you share with us why you chose to become a teacher? Like what passion drove you towards education? So I have an older sister and she has cerebral palsy. Hmm. So from a young age, I was around people with disabilities and different aspects like Special Olympics. I really like helping people. I like the challenge of it and trying to um, problem solve. I really like working with other people too. I find that very motivating to be part of a team. Hmm. I also like working um, just with a diverse population. So your personal narrative and your past with your sister really had a big influence. It definitely did. 
that's a really practical way to discover what you might be passionate about as you recap the life and journey that you have been on. Can you share with us a little bit about your population at Humphrey? So the demographic of Humphrey Middle School, we have a very large Hispanic population. Sure. We also have a large African-American population. A lot of the students are also low income, mm-hmm. which just means that there's even more struggles for them. Yeah. Our school district has a really great job of providing those families that would normally be eating at school with free lunches and breakfast. So that's been really encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the whole influence of low income population with our learning and the challenges that are equated with that. But I imagine that being a special ed teacher includes additional adjustments right now that you're needing to make to meet the needs of your specific students. Yeah, this has been really difficult. A concerning number of my special education students are not engaging in the schoolwork at this time. Sure. At school, I could repeat directions. I could prompt students, give them if-then options, teach in small groups, you know, and things. But trying to figure out how to do all that remotely has been hard, especially from my end when it looks like some haven't even logged onto the computer at all. Yeah, I was reading a NPR article just this week and it was saying that over 40% of teenagers haven't attended a single online or virtual class. And that includes over 47% of public school students. I mean, it's amazing to think about before the pandemic, there's an estimated about 12 million students who don't have access to internet. And that has to play a part in adding to another barrier in this R learning Yeah, I I will say that my school district, Valley View, has done a lot to help students with, you know, in different situations. So books to students who extended it down to lower grades. They are trying to provide students with Internet that don't have Mm. it through hotspots or them with different through different avenues Mm -hmm. to get it. Oh, I I do know, too, that a number of districts are for providing paper packets if parents prefer that or if that just works easier. Um, so I, they've been really, really trying. That's great. However, students can do that. I do think that's been one of the really big encouragements for me personally to see all of the school districts come out and, as you're saying, provide laptops additionally for lower grades, uh, networking with internet providers to provide internet for houses who might not have had it in the past. I mean, that's really been a encouraging spot. Yeah, I agree. I wonder if you can speak a little bit into this part, because you said that you are working with sixth graders. Is that right? Yes. So there was a survey that came out last week as well that said four out of five teens say they're following the news about COVID really, really closely, and that more than 60% of them are very, very worried. And I often feel like we forget about the teen population or even the kids and forget that they are they have minds and brains and they have worries and anxieties as well. Have you encountered any students at your school or in your classroom that are anxious or worried about COVID? It's hard to say for certain. We've had a journal prompt where students were responding, you know, how they're doing, kind of what they're up to. A lot had birthdays that they weren't being celebrated or just being celebrated differently. Um mm. My husband works for a nonprofit, though, and he was saying that more kids now are seeing their parents lose their jobs. And so that has been a source of anxiety for a lot of students. Yeah. 
No, that makes total sense. Now, when I was reading that article, my mind was just enlightened. We think about the parents or the adults who is stressed out about work or losing a job, like you just mentioned, and we forget how it trickles down to the kids and how the kids have to bear and carry that burden as well as they adjust to our learning and distant learning as well. Yeah. Well, the coronavirus has turned many parents and guardians to acting teachers, and a quick look on social media shows a new appreciation for you guys and the tools it takes to facilitate a classroom of not only if you have three kids, but 23, which is the average classroom size in America. What is uh, the best tip that you would offer our students and their guardians who have taken on the new role as classroom manager? My best piece of advice would be to stay connected with teachers. And even before remote learning started, I felt that students were most successful when parents and teachers work together as a team. Teachers are here to help. We want to help. And we miss our students. Yeah. No, that connection piece is so helpful because I think often these guardians or parents might be feeling very isolated or thrown into this new realm and they really don't know what to do or how to navigate it. But it's great to hear you as a teacher saying, hey, we're here. We want to help. Right. We feel just so disconnected from students. We're trying to engage, but it, every time I get an email from a parent or a message from a student, I get so excited. Yeah. Well, that's awesome that you're getting excited. I can hear it in your voice. Yeah. Uh, what is a um, maybe a metric that our parents can hold on to, just maybe a small target goal that you'd provide for them beyond keeping in touch with their teachers? Like, hey, if you're doing this, you're on the right track. I think that even if parents can't, especially maybe with younger children, provide them with so much support that they might need mm-hmm. to prevent any sort of regression to when students can return back to school. That might be one way that parents who are overly anxious can look at it. So with reading, as long as you just continue to read, sure, that's a huge benefit, even if you're finding it a struggle to complete all of the assignments mm. or I think that's actually a very helpful framework and a very practical tip that you just provided for guardians to say, hey, just help your child not regress. Just help them to continue to maintain their learning until we return to normal classroom. Correct. The other thing I think of too, when I was in high school, I missed like a month of school when my teachers went on strike. Yeah, sure. And during that time, I wasn't really too, like, no one was giving me homework to do. My parents hadn't set up much of a schedule other than chores for me to do. Yeah. You know, I turned out all right. (laughs) It seems like you turned out okay, (laughs) supporting and providing education (laughs) opportunities for kids. So maybe the other tip we want to share is to simply say, let's everybody just exhale, take a moment to breathe. And I think the language you used was just give grace to yourself as well. Yes, definitely. That's great. Well, Kaylee, thank you so much for your time on this podcast and also being a teacher who's intentionally, proactively pursuing parents and kids so that they can continue to learn and be successful outside of the classroom right now inside their home. Yeah, thanks for having me. Who is a resource you may have overlooked that is waiting in your corner to support you? Do you have a special skill or a business that you can leverage for the good of your city? Do you have a tween in your life that needs to be encouraged? What might change if you took the next five minutes to send a text or a call to someone who needs to be reminded to breathe because they are doing a good job? Let's be the good because your actions just might change something.